Well, it's me and Cheryl, and it's our privilege to be here. And it's going to be one of those mornings <laughs> where already the Lord has actually flooded me with so many thoughts and so many um, little rabbit trails. I just hope this comes out okay. All right. Now, <laughs> the title of this morning is called, How Does Your Garden Grow? Okay. Now, a few times we have mentioned over the last few months that this is the season of the garden. And often that's referred to back in the Song of Songs. Now, the Song of Songs is an absolutely wonderful book. If you understand it, if you take the time to go through it, and if you have the spirit open enough to actually un ensure that you take part in it properly. But some of us maybe don't actually have that openness yet. So what I want to do is I want to take us back to Genesis, to where it all began. And I want us to actually look at why and what the garden is and what's the difference between that and anything else that we do. And then I'm going to hand over to Cheryl and Cheryl can do whatever <laughs> stuff she has. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the clock's gone off the back, so I'm going to have to take my watch off. won't be me. Yeah, because we're also under quite strict timescales today. Mm. So, all right, if you've got your word, let's go to Genesis 2. And I'm going to be reading from verse 8 to 15. And it says, The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The Bedellum and the Onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gion. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It flows east out of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And this is the key bit. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So scripture sets the tone and the vision for our spiritual garden. He has given us a garden with water. He's given us a garden with plants for food and for life. And he's placed us in there with the responsibility to look after it. And as we've been hearing this morning, it was a pretty big garden. It was, if you look at it geographically, it's most of the Middle East. So a fair bit to go for. Now, whilst we were there praying a few minutes ago, I felt the Lord say, I want you to tell them this. All right. This is coming back to where we were just before. If you want a plant for healing, plant it. That's faith. Because we talk about in Ezekiel, and she'll make a touch on this later on, the leaves for healing. If you want that, plant it. If you want a fruit for eating, plant it. That's the word. 
If you want the fragrance of heaven, then plant it. That's your worship. Now, I think I could camp on that for ages. But that's just what God told me to do just a few minutes ago. But the thing about it is that in terms of the garden that we're talking about, it doesn't matter whether you like gardening or even if you like gardens. That doesn't matter. So we're not going to give you a lesson on horticulture or a lesson on, pla- on, on different plants. A, because I couldn't, and B, because what's the point? <laughs> it's not important. But what is important is that your garden is uniquely yours. All right? And it reflects your will, and it reflects, more importantly, your choices. Good or bad. Okay? So, the first thing that we have to look at, though, is why, what is the first purpose of this garden? And it's the same as really, what is the purpose of your garden anywhere? It's to be comfortable. It's to enjoy it. It's to be relaxed in it. And as we've been hearing about the Song of Songs, it's where we are to meet the Lord, yeah? So that's a, that's a good thing. But how do you get to be, what does this, when we, we get confused, and I know that pastor's talked about this, I know Em's talked about it, it's all about this word intimacy. And for men, as we've said before, it's very complicated, but it's not really, honestly, because, let's look at it this way, I have a grandson, I have also sons, None of them had a problem holding my hand when they were growing up. None of them. Okay? Nobody has a problem when... How many school pictures or pictures of kids growing up have we seen where they're holding each other like that, hugging each other? No problem whatsoever. We don't have a problem on a sports field when there's a goal scored, men hug each other. There is nothing wrong with this. We are living the legacy of Oscar Wilde who introduced all sorts of weird stuff with homosexuality. Until then, nobody had a problem with men holding hands. Military men, soldiers, used to hold hands. It was perfectly normal because these are, like David and Jonathan, closer than a brother. There was nothing sexual about this, and there isn't. This is culture that has told us it's wrong. Nelson Mandela, during his life, often held the hand of the people that he was talking to. Often. The men, these were men of state. He didn't care. He was so open. He was, it's, hum, it's human touch. And it's right. So, guys, when you're talking about meeting Jesus in the garden, it's intimate because you've let your barriers down. That's all it is. You're open to being with him in openness and honesty. There's nothing more than that. Now, the thing about it is, it's extremely simple for me to say that, but incredibly difficult to do it, isn't it? But honestly, stay with it. Try and get that. Take yourself back to being a child with your dad or with somebody who you trusted, because that's what it's about. Okay. Now, it's where, also, it's a time, your garden is where you spend time cultivating things. You're walking around. If you've got anything like a garden, anything growing at all, you've got to look after it. You've got to water it. You've got to feed it. You've got to prune it. 
And so it's difficult sometimes to us to understand in a spiritual sense, what does this mean? And it was very interesting for me. About 10 years ago, I was away on, uh, on, on business and I was praying because the one thing that I used to do a lot was pray when I was away. But one morning I found myself in the garden and I didn't know, I had no idea about any of this stuff, but I found myself with the Lord in the garden and we were looking at these various plants and these plants happened to be my children. And we went round and he was pointing out this and I was pointing out that and we were talking and it was almost like, yeah, yeah, that needs, that's doing well, that's okay, that needs a bit of a feed here then. And we, there was one which I kind of said, I'm kind of bo- worried about this thing because this is, this, this is something that I know is a, a sun-loving plant but it's pretending it likes the shade. And it's, it's associating with shade-loving plants, and it's killing it. And God said, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you're right. So what are we going to do about it? I said, well, Lord, I can't do anything about this. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. And he said, I'll tell you what, you prepare the ground, and I'll do the lifting and the shifting at the right time. So my responsibility as the dad was to prepare the ground. I had to dig the hole. I had to clean it all out of any stones that were there. I had to make a suitable space in the place that I chose in the sun. And then I had to keep that clean and right, ready for when he transplanted the plant. And he did. And it's okay. It's a lot better now. But that was my first introduction to what the purpose of a garden was in that spiritual sense. I had no idea, but it taught me that my choices are the plants, or the plants are my choices. Now, Sean's going to talk about cultivating it and weeds and all that sort of other stuff later on, but there you go. Now, one of the things I said there was that I was actually working at the time. I was working overseas. Now, there is the difference between a field and a garden. My field is where God chooses for me to work. My garden is where I choose to be. God will not interfere with our garden. What we put there is our choice. Where we go to work in a field is his choice. And quite often we get that so wrong. And this house is very strong in saying, don't resist the will of the Lord because wherever he puts your hand to work is where he wants you to be. And for too many years, I obstructed the will of God. And I was in my early 30s before I recognized that in actual fact, the field is the, is the kingdom. Because I used to say, oh, God, get me out of this job so I can do work for you. No, 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 no. Learn quickly that where he places you is where you are to be. So don't resist his will. Okay. So the, the thing about... And all I really want to say about this is the field is where he chooses you to work. The garden is where you choose to cultivate and to be. What goes in your garden is your choice. What you do in the field is his. But it's the same rules. If he sees that you are cultivating your field and working well and faithful in your field, it will bear fruit. It will expand he may give you another field and another field to the point where it seems the more you do, the more you get given and the tireder you become at times. And I know we all know that one. But that is great 
because that's when you need to call out to the workers to help you in the field. And that's when you need to understand how to use the gifts that he's also given you to communicate with others. So, <clears throat> really, that was all I had to say. And I'm going to hand over to Shells now. Okay. Best of luck, guys. I'm telling <laughs> you now. So what I'm going to try and put across to you is how do you perceive your own garden? Can we put the first slide up, please? Do you see your garden like this? And as we can see, it's a balcony. Do you just see just a few pots in your garden? Because this could represent the fact that with our busy lives, life takes over. And we don't sometimes sit down, talk and reflect to God. And we can constrain ourselves. Now, some balconies are absolutely beautiful. Last week I saw one. And it was just so lush. It was hanging over. But sometimes we contain ourselves and make ourselves feel that life is so busy. God, I haven't got time to talk to you. I'll talk to you later. But before we know it, the day is gone. The day is gone and we've become tired and we haven't actually sat down, read our word or spoke to him or even given him a thought because we've been so busy. Instead of sitting down, thinking, right, Lord, even if it's only five, I'm going to sit down here and I'm going to connect with you because that's what it's about connecting with God, building that relationship with God. So I'm trying to help you see that actually it can be as big or as small as you choose it to be. And it's not just that you've got to stay on the balcony. Can we have slide two, please? Or have you got one like this? Now, for many of us, we grew up in Terry's Houses. And you had what was called a yard. And for many years, that's where your dustbin lived. And, you know, when you're rubbish and stuff like that. But as time has gone on, over the last, I would probably say, eight to ten years, people have actually started using their yard as a garden. And, in fact, its name now is called a yarden. So, which my sister has. Now, this could be a fact where now you are starting to have a deeper relationship with God. You are wanting to draw closer to him. So, therefore, you are spending that bit more time with him. You are reading your word. You are worshipping him in a different way. And this could represent your growth in God. Because you can see, it looks quite lush. And some gardens, gardens can be very small, but yet can be absolutely beautiful. In fact, Monty Don did, an, did a program on people with very small gardens and yards. And it's amazing what you can get in, which shows it's amazing how close and rich you can get your relationship with God. Can we look at the next one, please? Or... Is your garden like this? Which is what we used to say is a typical back garden. Where now you've got more room 
more space. And now you want to sit and eat more. You want to entertain more. You want to actually make it like an almost like another room in your house. You want to enjoy what's going on. You want to sit out there in the summer, in the evening, and enjoy the fragrance of what it can give. So then you're then pushing even deeper into God and saying, I really want to grow more. I want my relationship with you to grow like this garden. It's your choice. No one is wrong, but you can expand it. You can, some people even turn the gardens like this into little rooms where there might be one where you might go and have that intimate conversation or another one where it's getting bigger so God can walk around the garden with you. Or then, could we have the next one, please, last one? This one is more like a stately home where it's vast, where it has acres and acres of land. And it just looks breathtaking. And when you look at a lot of these stately home gardens, they have a section where they do herbs, fruit and vegetables. They have a section where it's like walking in the woods. And they'll have another section where it's all really, really architecturally very beautiful. And there's always a a river, a lake that is in these gardens. And I was quite privileged last week. I went to a place called Domasse. And it's a lovely little stately home. And its gardens are beautiful. It has quite a lot of land where there's a lot of reindeers roaming free. So you can see the reindeers and in fact you can almost touch them. There's a a lake in it where you've got ducks and all those kind of things. But there's also a section where you walk where it's like walking through the woods. And when you're looking and the roads are winding, the paths are absolutely... It's amazing when you start looking and seeing what plants are actually in this garden. And then we hit the rose garden. Oh my, the aroma was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. In fact, it had like a big arboretum, like a a long tunnel. And it was so beautiful with roses hanging down that I didn't only walk in it once. I had to go and walk through it again. Not only walk through it again, I had to sit in it and smell that as the gentle breeze. You could smell that fragrance, that absolute fragrance of sheer delight. And I sat there feeling so calm, so peaceful, so at one with God, thinking, Lord, you want to be like this all the time. You want me to be this close to you, where you're with me every second of every waking hour. And even in we sleep, it talks to us when we sleep. And it just felt so wonderful that I didn't want to leave it. I really didn't want to leave it. But then it says in Ezekiel 47, verse 12, the fruits of the trees are all kinds that will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be new crops every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. 
That's wonderful scripture that really just summed up everything that I felt when I was in Dunelm Garden. And it's no great surprise that most of us, when we're actually in a garden, feel quite peaceful. And I watched a program called Love Your Garden by Alan Titchmark. Now, this series that he's doing has been a garden that he's designing for people with all kinds of conditions, people who are seriously ill, people who've worked vigilantly for a cause. And this week, it was on a man that was a Marine, and he'd had both his legs blown off and his arm. And Alan said to him, what do you want from this garden? And it really struck me how what he wanted was to have a place that he could build memories with his children. He wanted to build those relationships. He wanted to have an area where he could entertain and bring his friends to sit and eat and talk and dwell and chat. Because going out into the local parks, his children would notice people looking at him because of his disability. And he felt that this was, would be a sanctuary for him and his family. Our garden is our sanctuary between us and God. God wants to draw close to us all the time. Is the aroma that we're giving off, is it sweet fragrance to God's nostrils? You know, the more that we get closer to him, the more our garden grows and the more that God dwells in it with us. You know, it's just so wonderful that I watched another program about a man that was autistic and he actually had autistic children working with him. And it was wonderful to see how, when they was working with him, how at the beginning of the series how they struggled. In fact, there was one, one child that couldn't even give you eye contact. But the more that they did this, the more you could see that actually was beginning to engage in the people around him. And the designs of these gardens that they were doing were absolutely breathtaking. Some of them were very quirky, but they were fabulous. That's how God wants us to be. It doesn't matter. You can erect any architectural thing in your garden that you want. You can put any plan in that you want. We want to build that relationship between us and God. And he wants that with us. Otherwise, why would you put Adam in the garden? So the garden is a very special, sacred place. So how are we building with it? You know, many years ago, there was a program. I couldn't even tell you what it was on. But there was a, young ch- there was a chap there who was disabled but he was getting depressed. He was getting so depressed that he wanted to take his own life. And you know what saved him? A simple packet of seed that came free from a magazine. And he saw this packet of seed and he just thought, oh, I'll shove it in a pot and see what happens. And to his astonishment, it grew. And because of that, It made him think, oh, well, maybe I can grow something else. So he got another plant, and that grew. And before you knew, his mind that was feeling all depressed and I don't want to live anymore gave him purpose, 
gave him a focus, gave him the way he could see that things was growing, things was maturing. And before you knew it, his little garden was absolutely like an oasis. It had a water feature in it. It had these lush plants. And his wife said, those seeds saved my husband's life. How much more does God do for us with that? Now, right now, you might look at your garden and you might think, it's like a desert. It looks dry. But guess what? Even in the desert, there are plants that look tough and hard. But when it rains, when that water comes, God has designed them where they can collect so much water that they can stay within them for such a long time. It might even be years. But if we've got God's living water running through us, then it doesn't matter whether it looks like it's dry and barren. It only takes one drop of water to bring it into fruition again. And he's saying, so don't give up hope. Your garden might feel like that right now, but guess what? I'm living in you. If you stay close to me, then guess what? It can but only grow. It can but only grow. So, give me for a minute. Yeah. So, we choose our garden. We choose what we put in it. We choose how big it is. But let me just remind you of this. A few years ago, Pastor talked about our testimony and how we perceived our testimony on that we thought it was just about sharing how we first came to know God, when in reality, our testimony is ongoing. Do you know that your garden is ongoing? Because the more that you draw with God, the more the closer the relationship, the more the fragrance gets before him, the more of the garden he gives you. This garden is vast It's us that determines how small we want it or how big. There is nowhere where he says you've got to have that little balcony. That might be where you go and sit and have those really intimate times. But he wants to walk with us in the cool of the evening. He wants to come down and walk with us and look and see. And whatever little weeds are there, he wants to help us pull them out. It's not to judge us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to have that deep, deep, passionate relationship with us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent Christ. Would he? He wouldn't have done. So we've got this water living in us, this life constantly. Our seed is uncorruptible. Our seed can never die. Why? Because of him. It's how much do you want of your garden? How much do you want it to grow? What design you want is totally up to you. But just get in your garden more and more and more because he has great joy and delight when he's walking through the garden with us. And then we can't but help but grow. We can't help but grow the fruit, the rich fruit, the healing. I tell you, we wouldn't realize how much we would miss if we didn't have a garden. Done. 
Are we on? Yeah, good. Right. Hey, we finished on time. That's amazing. Um, so um, we just we haven't had the chance to go through. This is a big subject, as I'm sure. You know, it's huge. But I hope it's giving you understanding not to be frightened. You have got a garden. It has got plants in it. You choose what you want to put in it. It will show. And if you've made some not great choices, as Sean said, you'll get some big cropping great weeds. <laughs> so if your garden is full of thistles, mm, the Lord will see. Um, <laughs> all right, let's just, can we just stand and pray? And then we can, uh, we can lift this to him. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that, Lord God, you have given us the opportunity to plant that which we need. Mm. And Father, I thank you that in faith we can plant those trees that will produce healing. Yes, in, Lord. In, Lord God, in yes, the Lord. word, in the word we find mm. everything that will bear fruit, that will feed us yes, and keep us nourished and keep us refreshed. Yes. Father, we thank you that you constantly are providing us with the living waters. And Father, we thank you that if we need, if we are feeling dry, Lord, let's go back to Genesis. Let's dig another well. Mm. Let's dig another well because let's have the flowing water of life through us. Lord God, teach us, show us how to cultivate our garden. Mm. Teach us how to take the best that we can. Mm. And it's all for your glory. And thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Lord God. Yes, thank you. Well done, guys. Well done. It's not easy to bring a word in the first place with the responsibility it comes of handling the word, but especially when you're put on a time constraint that says, now do it in this window, it's difficult to say maybe everything you wanted to say and how things unfold. But, you know, it's awesome when you look at Scripture, just how important gardens are, And where things are punctuated through the scripture of Jesus finds himself in the garden, David finds himself in the garden, Adam's placed in the garden. You look at the different instances where God moves. But there's a scripture from Song of Solomon's chapter one, and it turns around and says this. He said, I tended your vineyard, my own vineyard I neglected. We have a responsibility to make sure that we nurture and take care of that which God has given us. I can be so busy and Christian nosy, so concerned about how you're trying to take care of you, I miss out on me. In Genesis 2, the verses before that Andy read from 8 to 15, but if you read, I think it's in verse 5 or 6, it turns around and says there, that there was no man to work the ground. God is always looking for a man that he can use, that he can utilize, but he starts with, I'm going to give you the ability to nurture your own Eden. In you is your garden. And you know that, We've talked about in Authentic, haven't we, about the decree of the Father. It said, go ye to advance, to stretch, to subdue, to have dominion. All of that originates in you. If I cannot bring control, governance, stability, deal with the own weeds in my life, why am I trying to talk to you? I must learn to nurture and work with him. For who's the ultimate gardener? 
The father is the gardener. Tells in John 15, isn't it? Tells us that Jesus is divine. We are the branches. He sees how he waters, how he nurtures, how he shares with you, how he's not negligent with what he is growing. There are so many times that if there is one principle that we ever learn in church and we should learn through our lives is that when the Holy Ghost speaks to us and the Father ministers to us, he gives us everything we need in seed form. Then it's our job to break up the fallow ground in our lives, to make sure that we have the water of the Holy Ghost that's going to pour out on it, that we have harvest time, springtime harvest. These things shall remain, seed time and harvest. They never go away. The principle of God says, okay, I'm dealing with you in your garden. But we're looking to find this place of intimacy. And I still think the best illustration of that is into me see. You say, God, I need you to look in the dark recesses of my life where I don't want anybody to look. And you know, if you've got those cupboards that you don't even want to look in at yourself at home, Never mind, say, if you've got guests, open the cupboard and all the stuff falls out. Who's got a junk room? Anybody got a junk room at home? You throw everything in and shut the door, no one's going in. Has anybody got a junk room? Yeah. We had a junk house for about a year and a half, but now it's kind of resolving itself a little bit. So now we're trying to just have a junk cupboard rather than a junk room. But you know, when I was growing up, and again, I can look at, forgive me for using the same term, a certain people of a certain age. Many of us grew up in a two up, two down. So there's two rooms downstairs and one room, uh, two rooms upstairs. Yes, you had your outside loo. Oh, they were, oh, they were the days. <laughs> they were the days. But do you know what your mum always had? The parlour. My mum and dad had four kids, them two, so these two adults, a dog, four kids. We all lived in one room. You know why you all lived in one room? Because you wasn't allowed in the parlour. The parlour was the place that must always be perfectly clean. Kids were never allowed. And it's only if somebody died or somebody special turned up, you were allowed in the parlour. God turns around to us and says, I keep this place which has got open access for you continually. Come into the garden, come into the parlour. Because it's not just about what you can grow. It's not how your life just reflects. It's what he's, what he's looking for, is what he wanted in the beginning, is to walk in the garden with you. You know, you're not stood in your garden and say, God, I hope you really like the garden I've made. He wants to enjoy that with you where we fellowship together, where we find his heartbeat, where we find him, we just sit. I think, again, it's Song of Solomon's where we sat under the apple tree together. It's not a separation. When man falls, what is God's first question? Where are you? He comes in the garden. He's still looking for you. And the question still comes out today. Where are you? But God, I'm so busy doing stuff that I stick your name on but he said, where are you? I'm looking for intimacy and closeness with you. But you know, we've built, Andy turned around and said before, didn't he, about maybe before the times of Oscar Wilde, it was fine for men to walk down the street holding hands. I'm not in them days, by the way, so just in case. <laughs> but this point of intimacy is kind of fine. 
But you know, we now live in an environment where intimacy is the furthest from our minds. I use Facebook to talk instead of having friends. And for all you who are deluded, thinking I've got 500 friends on Facebook, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. Why don't you put down your iPad, turn off your laptop, get out of your house and go and have a coffee with somebody and say, shall we be friends? Rather than I'm here on Facebook saying, I'm just having beans on toast. I don't care. (laughs) We do everything at a distance. I WhatsApp, I have Snapchat. Everything is digital life, which is taken away intimacy. And I know Pastor Tony's used the illustration before where he says you only have to be around the table with your kids and everybody's on the phone. How crazy it is when it's not the kids on the phone, but the parents on their phones and no one's interacting No one's having any form of communication. We have our meal and we just go home. Angie and I were laughing because we're older generation and just Facebook and she does have Facebook, but she's a good girl. And just Facebook, I don't. When you see me on Facebook, it's not me. Can I just say Phil Clark on Facebook is not Phil. It's Kevin saying he's Phil because I'm better looking. So he thought he'd use my picture instead of his. No, I'm not on Facebook. But we were sat at a table and there was a couple who came out on a date. And they're on a date and they sat at the table and we're there going, oh, bless. We're the old ones in the corner. Angie's got a limp and it's all going on. We're the old ones. And this couple arrived and within two minutes, all conversation had ceased. And he pulled out his phone and she pulled out hers. So unless they were texting each other, I am not sure what was going on. But we've become this generation where it all seems fine to just live an insular life when everything that's made for you in creation is interact. That awesome scripture, again, speaking of the garden in a bigger context, is all creation waits in eager expectations for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation waits. God's waiting. Can I find you in a garden? Because in the garden is a place where we can just sit. You know the great thing about relationship, where if I'm comfortable with Ange and Angie's comfortable with me, we've used this term before that people will get the opportunity to travel with us. You might not get a second opportunity to travel with us, but you get the opportunity to travel. Okay? Now, here's the thing the way it works. There are certain individuals that if they want to travel with me, I never, ever have a problem of just saying yes. I won't embarrass him, but I will. Andy's one of those people. Because you know why I can travel with Andy? Because I can be in a room and Andy can talk all day. Or Phil can talk all day. Or we can sit in the same room and for an hour he can say nothing and for an hour I can say nothing and I'm completely at ease. I don't have to fill the time. I don't have to fill the room with noise or something. I can be at ease with Andy and he can be at ease with me 
And that's the same with Pastor Tony or other people that I could talk about. I'm just using Andy because he's in my eye line this morning. But when I go into the garden, there's times when be still and know that I am God. Yeah. I'm not pouring out all my woes. I'm not telling him about Veronica's Veruca. It's not all going on. I'm just sat in his presence. And in his presence, I draw from who he is. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. I learn just to be in his presence and not feel intimidated, not feel unclean, not feel like I have to prove myself. Do you know what happens with many of us? I want to say many, I could use names, but I won't. We work like this. We get to a situation and I just put M on the spot slightly for a moment. I say something. M's not one of these people, by the way. I just say something to them about a situation and they have to give you the whole back catalogue of what's gone on because they have to feel that they have to justify and tell you why I've done what I've done, why I'm where I am, why I bought, why I, did, why I needed a new pair of shoes, why I had my hair done. They have to tell you everything and sometimes when we come into the presence of the Lord, we feel like we've hit that garden and all he wants to do is draw in draw us in, have that intimacy to love us, to hold us in his arms. And then we start, right, God, I wasn't here Wednesday because it was busy at work. And this came up. And do you know what happened with the car? Then I got a flat tire. And then we have to tell him all the stuff that he already knows to justify why we've not been around. When all the time he's saying, I've made access to the garden, come in. Will you be where I am? Now, who does scripture say was the wisest man in the world? Solomon. Solomon. We always say the wisdom of Solomon, do we not? What did Solomon do with his garden? Solomon built a garden that was superb, was the joy of Israel. But when his heart moved towards God and he took his thousand wives and concubines, he made the garden where he would rest into the place of idols. He had an idol and a temple for every false god that his wives and concubines wanted. Molech, Molech, when they used to take your firstborn and burn him into the fire, they built a place there where they could sacrifice children. The places of the foreign gods he built in this garden of intimacy, he made room when his heart became cold towards God. My own vineyard I have neglected. The growing of your vineyard is partly down to you, but mostly down to God. Because he will tend the vine. Jesus even turns around and gives the illustration, doesn't he, of the fig tree that didn't grow? And it says, I'll cut that down. It said, give me 12 months to fertilize the ground to see whether or not it will flourish. Yes, do you remember the scripture? So there is a tendency at times where God says, okay, I'll work with you. I'll give you time, but I will prune you. I will make sure that things are cut back. We're the ones who call for the rain. He gives rain in season. We have all this stuff where God moves towards us. But what he's still looking for in the general maintenance of me is to make sure when he comes, I can be found. He didn't say when I come into the garden, we'll play hide and seek. You don't have to say, God, where are you? I'm looking for you. He's looking for you. 
not us for him. That intimacy of the garden is such a wonderful thing. But again, we used the term before, didn't we, about anticipation. When I have clean hands and pure hearts, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He with clean hands and a pure heart. I have nothing to fear. I walk to where he is. Do you know there is nothing that you can tell God that he already doesn't know? And do you know when Pastor Tony Turmel has said that many keys that we're looking for is in the questions that were asked? When God asks a question, you know he already knows the answer. So when he says, where have you been? It's not the time for you to go, well, like I said, Wednesday was this, Thursday was that. I've seen parents' schedule. I'm running backwards and forth. Chauffeur for the kids. I haven't got a moment to myself. All of these things that come down, he already knows the answer. He's waiting for you to respond in your heart and move towards him and say, this is our time. This is where I need you to be intimate with me. This is where I need you to speak the words, those tender words of love that he's looking to speak. Remember what we've said at the start of this meeting. He answers us when we pray because he loves me. He wants to be where you are. There is nothing in all of creation more precious than you. In everything that God made, when God has his... Do you know what he says to the Holy Ghost and he says to the Son? I'm having a creative moment. I've been living in eternity and I've decided... I'm going to spin the universe into position and he spins them planets and it's all superb and we pull out our big telescopes today and we look at it and just believe how vast the universe is and we see the glory of creation and David Attenborough's been out and he's shown us every animal and we're under the sea and we've been to the Antarctic and the Galapagos Islands and up a mountain and down a hill and in a valley and in a hole and he shows you the wonder of all this creation but yet you are of more value than any of that. When he leaves his throne, do you know what? Scripture doesn't give me one reference where he left his throne to say, come on, Jesus, I can't wait to see a zebra. He came to the garden to see you. Sorry, that's my mad mind. He came into the garden to be where you are. He left his throne See, we spend all of our time trying to say, I want to get to heaven when he left heaven to come and be where you are. Where he has two homes, there and here. And he's just at ease with both. But if there's anything that I would say to you this morning, and I'm not looking to take away from anything that Andy and Shirley said, is ask yourself that question. My God, where do I neglect my vineyard? Where do I neglect? And I thought Andy made a superb point before when he said about the children that were planted. And he saw, started to see that one was in the shade and it should have been in the sun and the different things. Men, let me speak to you. You have been given wives to nurture, to take care of, and so that they can blossom like a garden. You speak tender words. You wash them with the word. That's it, Irene Polkin. <laughs> Ralph's getting it right in the ear. <laughs> You've got to be more subtle than that, Irene. <laughs> shh, shh, 
shaking him by the collar doesn't help. <laughs> I'm wearing glasses, but I can still see. But guys, where your wives are concerned, they should flourish and blossom because you contend the land that they're in. You make sure that the weeds are out. You make sure that you yield. You make sure that the things in season come to them. And, and the children, which are the fruit of the pair of you, must be given room to grow. They will make their choices. Some of those choices at times will almost break your heart because they have free will the same way that you have free will. But the scripture says, doesn't it, don't aggravate your children don't push them to they become to a place of being discord between you two. But when I look, my greatest garden and vineyard outside of me should be seen in the way that my wife flourishes and my children can grow in a safe environment. How they grow and maybe slightly twisted and they're pulling away from the vine is their choice. But I must be the one who will tend, nurture, work with that which God has entrusted to me. Because in my vineyard, once I become a vineyard, and in my house is my wife and my children. I find him to find them. But that's another thing for another day, fellas. It's not just about your vineyard. Take care of your wife. And if you don't, Irene is going to get you. So come on, church, let's just seal this morning. Just before we finish, again, Andy Shirley, thank you for what you've done. Thank you. Please, 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 let me just encourage you with this as we finish. From moving from the throne room to the chamber is the journey we need to make. If we can make that journey, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that can stop you because it's their intimacy. We hear him, we meet him, he transacts with us. There is so much more than just saying, I found the presence. You're in the presence every day. You're in the presence every moment because we are seated with him in heavenly places. It's not when I die, it started now. So I worship from his presence out. I'm already in the presence. But can I find that one-on-one? -on -one? Let me say this to you. In this whole thing of saying that we live insular lives, fellas, we don't know how to talk to our beloved because we have not yet learned how to talk to our beloved. Find words, find vocabulary, find language. One slight rabbit trail. Romance is the ability to fall in love with the same person again and again. Yeah? If we learn to romance and woo our wives, we will find it so much more easier than when we get in his presence of just going, well, Lord, love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Great, Lord. Thank you. United one. Thank you, Lord. Works good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have nothing to say. Start here and make it work so you're comfortable with language, you're comfortable with wooing, so that when you come into the presence, you can be you. It's all right to be you. 
Give yourself permission to be you. Water, nurture, allow him to prune and just see how your garden will flourish. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, today. Lord, we thank you that we're coming in to a new season, a season of intimacy, Lord God, I mean, a season of being found in your chamber. Lord God, Father, we thank you for your word, your word where you started to declare that out of you will flow a well, the well to a stream, the stream to a river, the river to a fast-flowing river, the fast-flowing river to the sea. That, Lord God, Father, whether it's contained in waterfalls, ponds, whatever it is, my God, your supply is to us. You're for us and not against us, Lord. But, Father, I pray that we'll no longer hide in our gardens, but, Lord, we will seek you out. That, Lord, your word says that when we seek you, we will find you. And, Lord God, Father, I pray for every life this morning, that, Lord, as they come into their times of one-on-one with you, as those times of intimacy, take us deeper, take us further, speak to us the language of love, that, Lord God, Father, we'll see that we're loved, that we're cared for, that we're nurtured, take us up, take us higher, that, Lord God, as we find you. Lord God, I pray that in every heart and in every house, there will be the ability to define why is my beloved better than others for we will not be like the woman at the well who worship what she did not know but Lord God we worship and we love what we do know not for what we get but Lord for you are worthy because we just want to love you we want to honor you Lord God, we just want to bless your name this morning. Say thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. And Lord God, I pray for those at 30-fold, may they push to 60-fold. Those at 60, they may push to 100-fold. Lord God, I pray in the same year, a harvest of a hundredfold return that as we find you, Lord God, make every heart just loved on you, be blessed by you, touched by you, revelation, understanding. Take us in, Lord God, take us in. Lord God, cause our Edens to flourish, to blossom like that garden, that all of it will bring glory to your name. And the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. Amen.